Welcome to episode two of the Zest Wellness Podcast. We can promise you that this episode will be worth your time because the return on investment from this episode could change your life or a loved one's life as well. Today, our guest is Simone, who is the CEO of the Bermuda Heart Foundation and the founder of Core Heart Health Center. We could do a full-on intro that would be minutes long for Simone due to all of her accomplishments and involvement within the Bermuda health community, but we'll save a lot of that for content in this episode. First and foremost, how we'll get started is we're going to first ask Simone, Simone, if you could be doing anything in this world, you could be lying on a beach and doing literally anything you want, why is it that you're involved with the Bermuda Heart Foundation and what is it? that drives you to continue to change the health of a number of individuals in Bermuda? What is your motivation? Now, Nathan, I'm really cracking up here because uh, that's not an easy question. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's kind of a loaded question. Of course. You know, I, yeah, I've been in health now for um, 10 years. And I came into health, I was headhunted. Um, by an individual. I was actually working as a high net wealth manager um, at a local bank when um, he had this job, this headhunter, who looked at me and thought I would be the perfect person for this job. How do you go from managing millions to managing matters of the heart? I still haven't figured out, but apparently thought I was a, a good fit. And <laughs> I came in and um, I am not, I wasn't raised in Bermuda. Um, My mother's Bermudian. And I came to Bermuda to raise my family. So when the the headhunter asked, I looked at the organization and it only had a name and a uh, bank account. And I knew that I could do something with the organization because I had developed several businesses in the past. And I said, you know, this would be a perfect opportunity to pay it forward. I've always felt very lucky to be able to call Bermuda my home. And I I told the young man, his name was Chris. And I said, Chris, I'll give the organization two years. I'll get it up and running, establish a business model for it. And then I will move on. That's 10 years ago now. And I'm still here. Wow. And so you're just coming off a, a very busy month, being that February is Heart Health Month. Do you mind letting the listeners know how this past month has been for you? Has it been the craziest month of your life? <laughs> Heart Month is always bananas, just absolutely bananas. We get a lot of organizations that are really becoming more mindful about their employees' health. And so we get requests from corporate companies that want us to come in and do health screenings, we put on a lot of events and activities within the, the month. Um, we have um, a Jump to Be Fit program, which goes into the school system and run a camp during the month. We held a very large 
uh, CME program, which is the continual medical education program for our local medical community, which was sponsored by uh, Colonial. It, it's just, it's non-stop for the whole month. I look down at the calendar today and I'm like, oh, great, two more days, two yes. more days, and it's over. And it's you. It's nice you. You just mentioned the jump to fit, jump to be fit program. For anyone who's listening to this who might not have heard about that program before, do you mind letting everyone know what that's all about and what populations you're targeting with that? Sure. When I first started with the the organization, again, you know, it was about building programs and services that would have the longest range effect uh, for the community. And realizing that heart health begins in the young, the first program I put into place was um, a jump to be fit. I remember as a kid, um, I used to get up first thing in the morning and we would go outside and we would jump rope all day. And, um, you know, until the street lights came on and then, you know, go to bed and get up and do it the following morning. And uh, one day while I was... Um, trying to devise programs, I saw this documentary on HBO called Jump. And it was about my jump rope that I used to play with as a kid had turned into this huge international sport. And they were showing the hard work and the dedication that it took to be involved in the, um, the field of jump rope and they had uh, a parade of nations for their um, national games, their international games. And, you know, I saw nations from Trinidad and Tobago and China and Russia and Japan, Brazil. I mean, they were coming from all over the place. And I looked at that documentary and I just said, that's it. That's a perfect activity to get children pumped and motivated about taking care of their health and a fun activity that's cost effective and the byproducts of jumping rope not only extends to their overall cardiovascular health but it actually plays a huge part of you know the mental health of children what we find is that you know children that are, are involved in repetitive um, left hand right hand motivation um, um, skills, repetitive skills, actually begin to teach their brain how to calm down, how to focus. So it's a high-intensity sport that teaches them how to be calm and centered um, as they're participating in the sport. And so what we find is, especially with children with ADD or ADHD, that their grades improve dramatically, their retention levels improve dramatically. So this sport that I fell in love with, I knew that we were going to, that Bermuda was going to one day walk in that parade of nations and that um, we would start this jump program. If you've never seen what jump rope is nowadays, you'd have to go online and, and take a look. And one video I would recommend is on YouTube. If you went on YouTube and you did um, Comet Skippers, um, jumping with the all-stars and it will show you the level of skill that it takes it's like gymnastics track and field um, uh, all rolled into one 
it's, that's yeah, it's an amazing sport. And, and you think you said the key words too. You said it's something that's fun and cost effective, and and thus it's a hidden benefit of having that exercise there. But it's something that there's no, there's not necessarily these massive barriers to entry, and there's that belonging and, and social nature that comes with it, which is extremely important for for children and and, and someone of, of any age for that matter. Yeah. You know, our kids are, um, have been exposed to the world through this sport. Um, each year, the world travels to a different country or a different destination in order to do the international games. So um, our Bermudian kids have been to, um, what was it, last year they went to Braga, Portugal. They've been to Seattle, Washington. They've been to Paris. Germany. I mean, they jump all over the world with that little jump rope. It is an amazing sport. Yes, and to make another comment about another um, initiative that uh, that you have going, the the CME, the Continuing Medical Education for Local Physicians. Of course, that's so important because you know health is constantly changing, and we want the individuals in Bermuda and anywhere to have the latest health knowledge. Do you mind kind of give us some more details? Because I know that New York uh, Presbyterian Hospital is involved with that. What is what is that whole kind of um, initiative that you guys got going? Like, what is the CME in detail? Okay, so each year, a physician has to have a certain amount of CME credit in order to keep their credentials active, right? And so with the Heart Foundation, because that's what we're into is heart. There are a lot of different comorbidities that go with heart disease. So the remit of the Heart Foundation is to make sure um, that our doctors are kept current, that they are provided with the latest advances, technology, information, humanly possible. You know, as you can well imagine, living on a small island, we're very stagnant in, in the things that we get the opportunity to be exposed to. And since our remit is heart, we are a firm believer that, again, you, you know, you've got to make sure that you target your market. You cannot just go to your end user, meaning the patient or the kid, uh, children, you have to also um, be able to be a resource to the people that are providing the care. And so with this year's uh, CME program, what we did, again, um, we are in a new clinical relationship with uh, New York Presbyterian, um, which we're very thankful for. They are the number one hospital on the East Coast. And through their expertise, we were able to provide um, a cardiologist um, who talked about the advances in cardiology. We had a Dr. Lee um, that talked about managing um, he, uh, managing um, specialist programs within a hospital. Um, and then we had two of the top nephrologists. One was Dr. J. Radhi Krishna. I'll tell you a funny story about him in a minute. Um, and also we had um, Dr. Uh, David Sarah, who is in charge of NYP's um, transplant um, program. So, you know, with cardiology, specialists, um, remit, um, and nephrology and transplant, those are all markers um, that can lead into cardiovascular health. So it allowed us to help our doctors 
get the educational credits that they need in order to get keep their license current, and we get to help them um, stay up to date and understanding what they need to know in order for all of our community to share in the wealth of that information that we provide. Yes, that's fantastic. Isn't it amazing? And you know, I've, I've got to say um, that that program is a very expensive program, as you can imagine, uh, to do. And we could not do it without our sponsor. It, it would not be done because as a charity, we operate on vapors. But it's only through the commitment of what I call our prevention partners that come on board and understand the value of what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it, that we are successful in providing these programs. And these programs are, are provided to the insured um, and to the doctors free of charge. They don't have to pay for it. So they get this great educational learning opportunity free of charge coming to Bermuda to them. So, you know, thank you once again to uh, Colonial for sponsoring that event. Yeah, it's 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 real change that is that's going on. And so you talk a lot about this keyword being prevention, if anyone's kind of thinking, what, it, what exactly is Simone talking when she says prevention, people are only familiar with treatment, why is prevention so important to you? And how is the Heart Association trying to advocate for prevention in the first place? You know, what, that is such a great question. It is so easy to put a little bit of preventative uh, services in your life than it is to manage full-blown disease. Yes. And one of my biggest pet peeves is that health nowadays have turned into a mathematical equation that very few feel they have the ability to solve. I think that if we approach health from a holistic perspective, and we just looked for people to be more knowledgeable on how to manage their health, more knowledgeable on the key understandings of what health actually is for the individual, that we will have a greater outcome. Sometimes I believe that medical professionals like to ask for their patients for um, perfection. Perfection does, it, perfection is, is a, sort of an idiom that allows a person to just go back through a cycle of disrepair as they cannot achieve perfection. What prevention asks you to do is say, you know what, I'm not going to be great 100% of the time, but I can be good 80% of the time. And in doing so, I can manage what I'm eating, I can manage my um, exercise level. I can make sure I understand my genetics and what is possible for me to develop, and I can do the best that I can do to ensure that I do not develop into full-blown disease. I may not be skinny, but I sure can be healthy. And that's what we ask people to do, is to just be healthy. And what's amazing is that you guys walk that talk because you offer those um, on-site services like your 80-20 uh, rule sessions and your, your understanding health sessions and your cooking classes. So you're, you're not just explaining theory to everyone, but you're also providing actual practical, you know, 
health education sessions so that people can have those tools in their toolkits to make these healthy decisions in their life? You know, uh, Nathan, when I first started with um, health, uh, again, the, the center, was, the organization was just a phone number and a bank account. Um, I did not know which direction I was going to take the organization. So the first year I spent learning all that I could about health, um, how was it delivered, you know, how was it received, um, what were the outcomes, and how was it best managed. And what I very quickly understood is that people, the general public, um, they know what they're supposed to do but they fully don't understand why. You know, you we have all these great people telling them to do these things, but they don't know how it fits into their lives. So I'll give you an example. I learned how to do health screenings, you know, basic blood pressure, um, diabetes um, uh, review. I learned how to do the BMI. And, you know, so I would say to somebody, you know what? Uh, I've just taken your blood pressure, and your blood pressure is 150 over 110. Um, I really believe that you need to go see your physician um, right now. Um, they would look at me and say, hey, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, you're, you're not fine. And I would go off into these long conversations, and you know, I would discover that the person um, was actually already on high blood pressure meds, and you know, they hadn't taken their meds in over... Um, two months and so when I started to drill down you know they just didn't understand the importance of why they had to um, take their meds and how it actually affected their lives and why heart disease is called the, the silent killer and so when I had the time to sit down and drill down with them all of a sudden you can see these light bulbs going off it was then that I realized that prevention was the way to go you know, at one time, um, my board thought it was best if I, I did a rehabilitation center for patients who had a heart attack after they've had a heart attack to be a service to them. But what I quickly realized is that the service needed to be proactive instead of reactive. And if you can do it in a fun, loving, nurturing way, that people would make the change that they needed to make. And so, yes, we very much walk the talk here. You know, um, CORE is um, what I believe to be the world's first prevention center ever to be covered by insurance. And we get the opportunity to allow people to come into our center. Um, the insurers pay for 23 sessions, and we give them a total of 32 sessions and so what that means is they can come into the center and we call it a kickstart program because what we do is we give them a kickstart on how to develop health for the individual so they come in they're assessed by a nurse she gets their baseline then they go on to a health psychologist because it's often about not about what you're eating it's about what's eating you you go on to next you are assessed by a nutritionist and the nutritionalist will not say, oh, I'm going to put you on a diet because we do not believe in dieting. So I think it's an exercise in fertility. Um, but she asks you, what do you like to eat? And then we figure out how to put it in a fashion 
in a way that you can understand that will be good for the long haul. And then you go over, um, after that assessment, you go into, uh, you get a personal trainer and you have a full gym. And what they do is a gradiated exercise program that allows you to build your muscles um, in a slow fashion. So this way it's not a lot of hurt and pain that turns people off, um, but it becomes fun and easy to do. And then we combine that with educational classes, like you said, um, how to eat the 80-20 lifestyle, um, which is basically um, I eat 80% in good fashion, you know, do what I'm supposed to do, and 20% not so much. Um, tonight's class is, is stress management. You know, people do not understand how stress equates into their life and to their overall health picture. You know, it's just that basic fundamental education um, given in a, in a manner that common people can understand, not from a medical perspective, but just from an organic, um, you know, very easygoing, fun, hey girl, let me tell you something. You ate that whole chocolate cake, come in and let's talk about why you did it. <laughs> We're not gonna beat you up for eating the whole cake. We're gonna have to help you figure out why you did it and how you can make the a better choice the next time. So, you know, it, it's an it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, it's watching what people do and how they feel after leaving the center. I had a, a guy today who um, was leaving out, and you know, I said goodbye to him, and I said, you know, make sure you seize the day. And he comes mm. back and he looks at me and he says, I got to tell you, last Friday I walked out of here. And my endorphins were flying. <laughs> he said, I was just, oh, he said, I almost skipped down the street. <laughs> he said, it just felt so good. <laughs> you know, to see people like that or to, to have somebody that hasn't exercised in a long time and, you know, they're getting back in the swing of things and they're feeling healthy or the, the elderly person that can come in here and they can socialize and see friends and, you know, work on their strength and their muscle toning. Um, there's a lady in the gym right now who's who's about to go through a, a major surgery. Um, and she's in there and she's building up her core strength. She's 75 and she understood that in order for her to have the best outcomes for her, her surgery that she needed to be um, uh, stronger so she's building up her muscle and it's just nice to see people getting healthy based on the individual that they are not on a textbook not on a, a BMI but just on what they believe is capable of what they believe they are capable of doing so it makes me feel good yeah, and and Simone, I, we, we all applaud you because for someone like that, that success story you were mentioning with that gentleman who said, you know, he walked out of there with those endorphins and, and, and seized his day. You, you know, I don't think you can put a price on that. And what I want to yeah. emphasize as well is that when you were explaining the whole process of someone who's first being introduced to CORE and, and how they, they see a number of different medical professionals, um, you said something very powerful. You said one of the, the professionals who you meet with is a psychologist. And you said, because it's not about what you're eating, it's about what's eating you. And so you're not all about just 
nutrition, we were able to that whole holistic aspect to really include stress management and your inner psychology into this whole process. You know, Nathan, I, I cannot, excuse my phone, um, I cannot say that enough. One of the biggest um, things that I've learned um, with pork is I believe our health community is getting it wrong. You, you know, health is manifested first in the mind long before it's manifested into action. You know, you've got to be able to put your head in the right space in order to be successful in uh, any endeavor that you're doing, but in particular, health. You know, everybody keeps going at it from a um, eat less, exercise more perspective. Well, you know, that has a beginning and an end. Um, and, you know, it's like the word diet, you know, starts with the D, ends with an it, and the middle, and all along, all you do is die in between the middle. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> so, but when you take it from a mental health perspective, and you try and remove those barriers that are blocking them, that is where change lies. You know, whether their self-esteem is low, whether they're still um, dealing with a childhood trauma that they do not recognize um, is an impediment, or um, whether it is, you know, you focus in again on the individual, people do not recognize how much, you know, it could be weight gain could be anything from low vitamin D, it could be stress levels, your cortisol uh, levels are flying off the roof, you know, being perimenopausal can cause you to be, uh, gain weight. Um, being on different meds can cause you to gain weight. So it's just not about eat um, less and exercise more, but hey, what's really going on in there? You know, what's going on inside of your mind? What's going on inside of your body? And how can we help you address that more effectively? So I'm a firm believer we got to start with the mind first. Without that, everything else fails. And it seems like you also take things very slow and steady and you, you're looking for gradual change in people because, you know, you don't have one session. There's, there's 32 sessions. So, so you're not working with someone and telling them to be a miracle overnight. You're saying, hey, we'll go through this process together. We're going to take it nice and slow. That way we don't relapse any time in the near future. And you, but you know what? It, that, that's a good word, relapse. Change is a process. And, and as you're going through any processes, you will start and stop, start and stop, until all of a sudden it's like it's switching on a light switch. And all of a sudden you'll start and you won't stop. But what we say at, at court, you know, you can start and stop as many times as you want. Just know we will always be here. There will be no judgment and there will be no vilifying you for not completing the program straightforward. Because when people expect that they're going to do something straight, you know, do all 32 sessions and, you know, they're not going to skip a day, that's not life. That's not reality. That's not who we are as individuals. You, you know, life happens. Things happen. You have a bad day. You're not feeling well. And you know, maybe this wasn't your week to come into the gym or come into the program, but you shouldn't feel that you've messed up. You should just feel that, hey, that was not my week, and next week I'll do better, and 
core is there and they're going to accept me and I'll go right back in and I'll start all over again. Or I'll just pick up where I left off. Either way, we're here for them. And when you mention that individuals are they're nice and slowly, they're working out and they're building muscle, how would you describe the vibe in that gym area? Are people sweating and it's like a it's like an army drill sergeant in there, or is it more social? People are kind of having fun. How would you describe the vibe to someone who who is really interested in learning more about this, but they don't necessarily like you know those those typical gym environments? But I think core is different, and how would you describe it as being different? Core is very different. It comes in waves. Each time slot is is a different wave, and you can almost watch it. You know, early morning is, um, first of all, let me back up. Um, we are not the normal gym. This is not the place where you're going to see the muscle-bound man coming in or the girl with the, the, the uh, thong on and she's exercising and looking cute. That's not what this place is. We don't have um, real loud music. We have no TVs. Um, we don't have any of those things. Um, because again, we are talking about um, how do you manage health? Health is also from a psychosocial perspective, right? In order for you to return to something, it's gotta be considered fun and you got to get a value out of it, right? And so from this idea of what core is core is the type of place you come in you meet up with your mates you see a friend you haven't seen in a long time and you're on the treadmill next to each other and you're talking and you're working out and and you're talking about politics or maybe not but you're having a good time socializing as much as you're doing exercising so are they working up a sweat yes they are but they're still able to conversate, conversate, they're still able to have conversations. They're able to, to um, connect with individuals. They're able to have a good time. So it also becomes a social environment. So again, it, it, it comes in waves. So in the morning you have your, your, um, your I would say your, retirees that have been retired for longer periods of time, you know, so maybe they've been retired for like 15 years. They tend to come in earlier. Um, your recent retirees, they come in, uh, I would say, right about 1030. So that's a whole different wave. Then you get the, the 12 noon waves, and they are usually your, uh, your workers in Hamilton, um, who's coming in for their lunch hour, and that can be anywhere from um, 30 up to um, 30 years of age up to we have one that's 91 that comes in during the, the lunch hour. Wow. Yeah, and, and then from about two to four, it kind of quiets out. Um, and then two to four is the time when people come um, that they know they can get to the gym really quickly do their thing, have a, a good a workout, and get back to, to work. And then five, um, from five until eight, that is your more, how would I say, mature? So I would say they're usually from around 35 up to about 60, 70. And then that's a whole different vibe within itself. 
that's when more of the pumping music is playing. It's still a social environment, but it's a more younger, hipper crowd. So we play DJ in the center. So in the morning, it might be Frank Sinatra playing as you come in. Lunchtime, it might be a little bit of, of Led Zeppelin. And then in the evening time, you've got your, your soca and your, your latest records playing. So it's interesting to watch as the, the generational wave comes through the core. Yes, I love hearing that. And a similar question, too, in terms of, of someone who's listening, and they're really, they hear what you're saying, but they're really kind of, they're, they're still hesitant on exactly what to expect. Another thing you brought up was the were the house screenings that the Bermuda Heart, Heart Foundation does within the community. So someone who's interested in, in knowing their numbers and the whole blood pressure and whatnot aspect, how would you describe exactly what a house screening is? So if you're there and someone comes and sits in that seat beside you, what is the process for a health screening? What is happening to them? Are they being poked with something? Is someone touching them? What what exactly is the health screening process? And so the, the health screening, and because it's done in a, a public setting and it's not invasive at all, it is a lot of times, you know, because they call blood um, heart disease the silent killer, um, we actually just do their blood pressure and we, do, we take their blood sugar. A lot of times people do not recognize that their blood pressure is running really high. And so you just come sit down and we have you settle down for a second and we put the blood pressure cup on you. And then we take your blood pressure and we see what that is all about. And we give you some information and guidance on how best to handle what you're dealing with. We ask questions like, how uh, are you taking your meds? Is there a family history? We always make sure to tell people that it takes three consecutive readings with their physician in order to be diagnosed as having high blood pressure and that the Heart Foundation is only out there as an advocate to ensure that the, the general public can have easy access to understanding um, their, their health. Um, we then will ask if there's any history of uh, diabetes. And uh, if they uh, say yes, you know, we ask permission if we can do a blood sugar prick. Um, which is just a, a little tiny little finger prick and uh, we can get their their blood sugar numbers and we do that as well. Um, and we do not do um, BMI. We totally and completely do not subscribe to the whole BMI theory. Um, so that's the one thing we do not do from a risk factor screening. So it's just basically your blood pressure blood sugar, and general health information that we provide at our screenings. And when someone gets those numbers, and you know they might not be, be happy with those numbers, does anyone else see those numbers? And of course, I know the answer is no, but someone might think that what if, the, what if the Heart Foundation is putting these numbers in the newspaper or something like that, but I'm sure that no one else sees those numbers. They're completely for someone's own use, and you're not telling anyone else. No, it, it's very private. We do not um, take the numbers and do anything with them. We do mark how many people that we screen in, in the course of the year to make sure that we are hitting our remit within the community that we expect each year to uh, achieve. So from that perspective, we do chart how many people we are screening. Um, 
But the biggest thing is, you know, we will ask, uh, especially if their blood pressure is really high, you know, um, who is your doctor? And may we share these numbers with your doctor? And if they say yes, then we will call up the doctor and let them know, you know, Heart Foundation has recently screened your patient. Please be advised that these were the numbers that we received. Um, but if they say no, then, you know, we let them go on and do their own thing. So someone no, doesn't have anything to lose by coming to a health screening and getting their numbers. I, Nathan, I can't tell you how many times I or somebody on my staff has done a blood pressure reading and sent them straight to the hospital or sent them straight to uh, their doctor's office. And, and we get calls later and people say, <clears throat> thank God you saved our lives. You saved my life. Wow. That has happened on many occasions. <clears throat> All because they went out to, to get their numbers taken and take advantage of this free service. They didn't pay anything out of their own pocket. They just spent, spent a couple minutes of their, of their time to get their numbers screened and ended up changing their life and, 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 uh, and saving their life. I, I can honestly tell you, you can do a show just on that, uh, on the incidents of people being picked up um, who were not showing any signs or that they recognized as signs for a heart disease or heart failure. Um, and were screened by us and, and then went straight to their doctor only to realize that they were in deep trouble. And that goes both ways, especially from our screening process at the general public and our, um, our assessment process at the center. We prick them up as well. You know, one of the greatest stories of my life is, is that I had this uh, young lady who had recently lost her father suddenly to a heart attack. And um, she had her mother and they had just suffered this great loss. And the daughter just said, you know what, mom? I'm making sure that nothing happens to you. And the daughter called us up and she brought her mother um, into the center. Mother didn't even know where she was going. The daughter just said, you're going. And um, she went, she came and um, through the risk, our risk stratification process, it was found that the, the mother was very soon to have her own heart attack. Within less than a week, she was up um, getting a stent put in her heart, which literally saved her life. That young woman would have lost two parents within less than two months if she had not brought her mother into the center. One of my favorite stories. Yes, those success stories, and then yeah. hopefully that will that will resonate with with anyone who's who's listening to this right now. What about and, and this will be one of our last questions here. You know, there's a number of success stories, but what about if someone were to ask you about the the Heart Association and about Core? What would you say is like the best kept secret that you don't think too many people know about? Um, whether it be for Core or the Heart Foundation, something that you wish people would know about, but you think. Sometimes it's it's uh, it gets slid under the rug and whatnot. What was the best kept secret about about the work that you do? I would say two, um, three. Okay, yes. one is uh, <laughs> best kept secret is that you do not need a doctor's referral in order to come to the center. 
Um, a lot of patients think that they have to get their doctor to send them. No, we don't. That's why we do a risk stratification process. If you are appropriate uh, for our program through our risk stratification process, we will be able to tell. And if you're not, um, then you're not allowed to come into uh, the center because this is not a gym. This is a program to get people healthy. We don't want anybody to think that it's just a gym. It's a process and a program. And through that, we have to risk stratify you. And if you are at risk for developing a full bone disease or need to learn how to manage that disease, we are here for you. So you do not need a doctor's referral. Number two, it's covered by most uh, major medical. You know, a lot of people nowadays feel like they have to make a choice between getting healthy and um, paying their bills. Well, we live in a country that says you being healthy is our main priority. A lot of people don't understand that your insurer is your key advocate in ensuring that you stay healthy. You both have the same goal in mind. Your health is your insurer's first priority. So your insurance wants to pay for you to come in and understand how to be healthy. So it is covered by insurance. And the last one uh, would be is that it's not just heart because a lot of people think that it's just heart health. No, it could be from anything that you are, are fighting, um, whether it is um, stress, depression, um, diabetes, kidney failure. If you are at risk for developing full-blown disease or you need to learn how to manage disease, come on in. We got you. Yes, and, and even that's something I'm learning myself is that it's not just disease related to the heart, but also, like you said, stress and, and diabetes are areas that you can help people out as well with. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a lot that can be done. And again, you know, it is so much easier to manage disease um, and, and to prevent disease, sorry, than it is to manage full-blown disease. And one thing that I, I've always tell people is that, you know, if you are laying up in um, King Edward Hospital and you're laying there because you weren't proactive enough, because you weren't, um, you didn't manage your health, because you didn't take this stuff seriously, at night, the only one you have to blame is yourself. Because Bermuda, we have options. We have resources available to us to help us figure out how to stay healthy. The last thing I ever want to do is to be in the hospital and know um, that I could have been more proactive. I fight every single solitary day, not only for my cause, my mission, my purpose, which is core, but for myself as a um, renal patient, I had a kidney transplant a year and a half ago. I fight every day to ensure that I stay healthy. And it's up to me. Each one of us have the ability to be healthy. Not asking for perfection, just asking for a little bit of management. A 5% change in anybody's life could have the most dramatic impact on their overall health. Core helps people learn how to live healthy. 
Yeah, and I think another point to, to drive home before we finish here is that you're not telling people that you have to be talented at, at losing weight or talented at, at nutrition or talented at managing your stresses, but it's, it's not a matter of, of talent and skill, but rather a matter of, of showing up and, and trying in the first place. And everyone has it within them. It's not that some people are, are better at this than others. Everyone has it within them. And it's your job. And, and, and you're, you're happy to do this job with, with help bring out their potential and really help people get on this path to changing their life. But it's definitely it's not something that's reserved for the athletic people or the people who already have you know, large muscles. It's, it really anyone can, can change their life, and you're there to help them make that happen. We are their support system for that kickstart to a healthier life. Hands-on intervention um, that leads to preventative care that can save lives. We're here for the Bermudian public. That's fantastic, Simone. And with all that being said, we'll end on that note. And we sincerely hope that this episode will resonate with our listeners and that some people can reach out to you and really realize that you do walk the talk and that you are there to help people and go the, go the extra mile for them. Absolutely. Anything we can do as healthcare advocates, um, we're here uh, to help navigate the mysteries or, or the confusion that is health. Uh, all we want to do is, is to be there, to be a resource to help. Fantastic. Simone, I, I love chatting with you. And for all of us, thank you very, very much for your time. Thanks for having me. We greatly appreciate it. Woo! What a fantastic episode that was with Simone and how nice it was how she put in simple terms this massive connection between physical health and mental health. And probably our favorite quote of that was when Simone said, it's not about what you're eating, it's about what's eating you. And so for everyone who listened to that episode... Simone is more than willing to meet new people and chat. And we hope that you learn something from here and you get a positive return on investment from your time listening to this episode. Mm-hmm.